KRCL 90.9 FM, Salt Lake City. RCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. 
Al Dine here, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, back from a little vacation and fresh and ready to go. It's the height <laughs> of the harvest season. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives every weeknight at 6. But That's tonight, right. it's me and Laura Jones as always. Thanks, Laura. More true tales from the agri-hood. And Al Dine, we got some old friends on the show tonight, and oh, we're talking pumpkins. Lots of old friends. Um, we're talking pumpkins. The you know, there is a giant pumpkin growers association here yeah. in Salt Lake, if you did not know that. <laughs> Their big event is next weekend, and it th- we'll talk about when and where, and I'm really recommending folks to go to this thing because it's quite a community, and they rally around these 20 100-pound pumpkins. I mean, come on. This is cool. Oh, and they brought a pumpkin that they grew into a shape. you got to check the show notes tonight. Check out the show photo because uh, it's pretty cool what they did. I'm curious how they did it, too. And what the tip is to grow the giant pumpkins. I'm going to try it one of these years. I don't know. I always forget about it. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to start earlier because it takes months. <laughs> it takes months and months, and you just – you pull all the blossoms off the plant and you only grow one pumpkin on it that kind of thing and your buddy tyler taggart from local chow local chow a really cool app where we're cutting out the middleman and um going straight from farmers to consumers and uh this isn't you know the maybe it's the wave of things to come uh get your local food you could maybe even as an urban farmer plug into this yeah like anyone can plug into this so they're wanting folks to just start up little farms and use this app and I like that. and get food okay. to people we also have Skywatcher leo t reporting on mars hanging with taurus the bull there's um they're gonna push an asteroid around see if nasa can do that so he's got all of that in many cultures one sky with Skywatcher leo t coming up but right now it's time for fresh homegrown music with our friends in the studio here at krcl in the studio right here live sammy brew Yo, yo. How you doing, man? I'm so good. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's really good to see you, my brother. You're becoming of age. You came on the show like five years ago, and you were just a teenager. I was a wee lad. You were. <laughs> You've come a long way, my brother. What are you going to play for us right now? Uh, we're going to play a new song that we released uh, called Don't Fake It. We released it around July, and uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy Sammy Brew, right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
all the hurt and all the help forget the words they say to you i don't want to sleep all day and you are what keeps me awake better yet i've been here at the skate park in the snow and winter back all day and i walked up to her window super late before my mouth was open she was saying if you don't want Cultures, one sky, Skywatcher Leo T here as we look up as the stars come out in the purple twilight. The great dim square of Pegasus is climbing the eastern sky, looking forward above bright Jupiter and a bit to the left. It's balancing on one corner like the horse likes to do. Late these nights, ever-brightening Mars is back, accentuating the eastern sky, hanging on the horn of Taurus the Bull. It's the same color as Aldebaran, the eye of the bull to its right. Check the neat chart from Sky and Telescope on the Skywatcher Facebook page and Way out into the distance, we can see NASA's DART probe getting ready to play cosmic pool and connect with an asteroid September 26th. The double asteroid redirection test is a bold attempt to knock an incoming space rock out of its trajectory. As scientists are hoping to be able to knock an asteroid out of a possible collision course if it is coming toward the Earth, that's where DART's cosmic pool game comes in. The spacecraft will slam into a small asteroid called Dimorphos, which, like clockwork, orbits a larger near-Earth asteroid called Didymos. It's kind of a moon of an asteroid. By targeting one of the two asteroids, scientists can see the orbit of both and see relatively if the impact knocked Dimorphos out of its orbit. By the way, it's not going to hit the Earth. It's, they're just practicing. And NASA has been a busy space agency, haven't they? With space telescope probes to Jupiter and out beyond the solar system. And, of course, the project put people back on the moon again called Artemis. And the uncrewed launch that will test the systems out around and beyond the moon is on the launch pad, as NASA announced Monday evening. It will delay the fuel system test of the massive rocket following repairs to fueling components performed last week aimed at addressing recurring liquid hydrogen fuel leaks. The fueling test has been moved to the 21st of September and now looking to launch the Artemis 1 mission on the 27th of September and reviewing October 2nd as a potential backup date. They have some other windows as well, so go Artemis, go! And winging for the moon, out to Mars, JPL and NASA's Perseverance rover is snapping some great shots. You can see this one on the Skywatcher site. It's an image of the Enchanted Lake Rocky Outcrop. There's not really a lake there, but there was once. It's informally named after a landmark in Alaska's Katmai National Park. The image of the outcrop near the base of Jezero Craters Delta, where the rover is roving around, provided the rover team with a close-up glimpse of sedimentary rocks. Such rocks consist of fine particles carried by the atmosphere and water, and deposited in generally flat-laying layers, which become indurated or turned into rock over time. It's many cultures, one sky. Big thanks to Anthony Aveni, Star Stories, with a little fun and interpretation by your storyteller, Skywatcher. Do you ever lie on the grass on a hot summer day? You have probably gazed at puffy cumulus clouds rolling in a deep blue sky and imagined familiar forms morphing from one to another. A bird that, as you watch, turns into a dragon and then into your cat's face. We do the same with geological formations, New Hampshire's old man of the mountain, the woman of Molly in Guinea, and an extraterrestrial face on the surface of Mars. Remember that one? Once the cumulus clouds evaporate in the evening twilight and pitch black sky and mysterious points of light start appearing, 
There's another backdrop, very suitable for expressing the narrative of the hunt or planting. Stars and swirls of sparkling light arc slowly and silently across the night sky. The night sky is a natural storyboard available to everyone. Ptolemy, a 2nd century Alexandrian astronomer, listed 48 constellations, three dozen which were named after land animals, fish and birds with a sprinkling of snakes and humanoids, as well as one insect. But everyone who has lived or is living has looked at puffy or lenticular clouds, geologic formations or in the night sky, patterns and shapes in the stars, the emu in the sky from Aboriginal Australia, to Peru where the Villa Kanata River leads back to the sky as the Milky Way, to Cetus the whale swimming in the southern celestial seas with Delphinus the dolphin up above jumping in and out of the Milky Way. The sky, it's all of our heritage. So keep looking up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Skywatcher Leo T. Volunteering to create that on Punk Rock Farmer Friday for y'all. Hope you enjoy it. Check tonight's show notes for a link to his Facebook page where he posts all his sources and sky maps and tons of things. Hey, Aldine, before we get into your guests for rallies and resources, there's this cool press release I got today from uh, the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. They currently have several desert tortoises available for adoption and they're accepting applications. That's kind of cool, but the reason they have them available, Al, is because people did a not cool thing and picked them up. They're protected, right? So um, folks, for a variety of reasons, they removed them from the wild or wandered into an urban area. Perhaps someone was illegally housing one. Anyway, DWR is looking for a few good homes, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, So there's a reason you can't put them back in the wild, though. Aldine. Any mm. guesses? Once they've had human contact, Once. they've got all our germs and, uh, and may develop uh, <laughs> pneumonia and things like that, risk of putting diseases back mm-hmm, into the wild mm-hmm. tortoise population. So there are uh, several that are looking for good home folks. You can submit an application to tortoise at utah.gov. There's a small handling fee. They teach you how to take care of it and all of that. You get approved for adoption and uh, registration fee. These these guys can live to 60, 70 years old, so it's a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you might have room in your backyard with the girls, mm. with the chickens. <laughs> 60 years, I don't know. Uh, you got to sign up. The gr- your, your girls, your daughters have to as well. All right, it's time for your special guest. Tyler Taggart's with us, and he came up all the way up from St. George, Utah. Wow. Right. Just for us? Just y- for you. Yeah. Thanks so much, my brother. And Local Chow is an app that you started a couple of years ago. And... Um, you kind of tested the water with and trying to hook people up with homemade meals, but what happened? Because yeah. people wanted a certain thing, and now you're focusing on something else. Yeah, re- real good uh, backdrop there. Thanks for that. Um, so we we launched Local Chow about a year ago, did a little test group in St. George, Utah. Our whole idea was we wanted to help connect people with local food, and we're thinking that one of the best ways to do this is to help them find delicious homemade food that uh, their neighbors are making right near them, whether it's uh, ethnic food or something else like that. As we were going into this market, we started getting people talking to us over and over and over again, say, hey, we love the homemade stuff, but where's the produce? I want Ah. my peaches. I want my apples. I want my zucchini from my farmer next door. And we started looking into this and talking to some farmers in the area, and we realized there was this very large uh, underserved market of people that we're looking for a farmer's market type experience, but with the convenience of a grocery store. And 
so th- there's a lot of people out there with the right idea then, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we're talking local produce is the yep. best stuff, best tasting food you can get around here and, and support local and all that stuff. But this this links this takes out all the middlemen. This links right. the consumer with the farmer. Exactly. So so what you're hitting on right there is a big part of what our mission is right now. So what, what we're setting out to do is to help uh, localize food again. If you look at, at the history of food, obviously hundreds and hundreds of years ago, food was extremely local. The only place <laughs> you got food was where you could hunt and grow it. And then with the, the Industrial Revolution and transportation and especially cooling becoming something where you could keep food cool for a lot longer, food swung all the way to the other side of the pendulum and it's completely globalized. None of the food you get at the supermarket, hardly any of it, comes from your local areas anymore. Mm-hmm. And as consumers, we've become addicted to that convenience where it's just so easy to be like, I'm hungry. I'm going to go to the grocery store and get whatever I feel like. Some right now. people have Some become people. addicted. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to talk. I know you have it. Al's got <laughs> a soapbox. Yes. He's up on it. But if in general, the general consumer, most people are very addicted yeah. to that convenience. So what we're doing is taking the convenience of the supermarket and bringing it to connecting farmers to consumers. So it's as easy as opening an app finding local food and buying it from local farmers so getting the word out is huge because Absolutely. folks go to their uber eats or what have you right. their doordash and then those are usually mostly connected to the big chains who can afford the margins yep. that those have uh, extracted so local chow an option for l- local growers but also local restaurateurs or ghost kitchens and things like that we haven't we have not opened the app to restaurants yet okay. we want to keep it really focused on uh, the farmers, and then even just the home kitchen experience. So uh. people that are cooking or baking out of their home. Mm. Um, we have had some people that have said, hey, I've got like a single local food truck or I'm a mom pop type restaurant here. Yeah. Could we get on the app eventually? And we're looking into options there. But right now it's very focused on this local farmer, uh, local you know, stay at home cook. Food and maker. that's mm-hmm. what our friends at the Red Acre Center really helped to make possible with their work up on the hill, Al. For the 180, the bill 181 is, um, you know, you can sell your home-based food, products, your tortillas and foods. tamales and mm-hmm. your family recipe. I've still got to look into something like that. It's a good side hustle, so I think. So this is really cool because it, it, it can be a community builder in a cool way, too, because more farm you're calling farmers to say hey look at this we have an easy way for you to get your food out there maybe you want to start growing this or some more food or yeah yeah so so what this does for farmers and and we actually as as we started talking to farmers we've talked to farmers in utah texas uh idaho we even talked with uh i don't know if you guys know thomas snellman in finland he's the pioneer of the Rico rings that that have started to grow across explain that a little bit yeah we need we need to go okay. to Finland Al <laughs> <laughs> so fin- Finland is is very unique uh, in their consumption of food and it's something like 60 or 70 percent of produce purchases are from local farmers in Finland absolutely incredible and and most of it can be attributed to Thomas Snellman he uh, as a farmer he started there in the 90s had a lot of hard time with some early organic farming when it wasn't quite as popular as it is today so he started exploring these other options, and what ended up happening is he and a group of other farmers in the area, they got together, and they said, why don't we create a Facebook group, and people can just order directly from us on this Facebook group, and then once a week, we'll all drive to a central location, and everyone meets us there, picks up the food, and goes home. So it's kind of like this pop-up supermarket yeah. where you order in advance on Facebook, all the farmers meet up there, and you go kind of like a, like a trunk or treat type status from one truck to the next truck to the next, picking mm-hmm. all your produce. 
and then you go home and you have your groceries for the week. And in the last nine years, that concept has absolutely exploded uh, in Europe, across the United States. It's in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's in New Zealand. It's all over the place now. So you guys are pulling in some of these th- those thoughts and that those actions? So what, so what we're doing is we're taking the best things that the Rico Ring has done and the best things that, uh, that an app like Uber has done. Where Uber's made it extremely convenient to find a ride. If you need a ride, you open an app, you have it. And we're bringing that together so that farmers can interact directly with their consumers uh, in a way that makes sense and that's profitable for them. That's fantastic. Eat Local Week Challenge coming up on September 24th, and Local Chow can connect some folks in a Absolutely. unique way during Eat Local Week. I was just tooling around your website, and I'm seeing something about competitions and one in St. George, Salt Lake. Absolutely. Is that, we're, what is that? We're getting ready to host some food competitions. These will be coming sometime uh, next year. We're looking for the best uh, local cooks to participate. We'll have cash prizes uh, for those. So, so what we're doing is we'll have a big community event, one in St. George, one in Salt Lake where uh, local cooks can apply. Al. Uh, they they Al. bring their food, the community judges it, and then the winners take home a nice check. Well, you this is meant know. for the grassroots, like <laughs> Al and his fantastic right. Instagram recipes. Absolutely. Because, you know, the, you know, whatever, the chef competitions, they can stay there. Yep. This is more grassroots. This is very grassroots. I love it. Great stuff. Well, you have to come back when you're getting ready and getting closer. and Because you can register as a cook. You can also register as an attendee. How do you register for Local Chow? Local Chow, easiest way. It's on both app stores. So Android, iOS, doesn't matter. Go to the app store, type in Local Chow, and uh, it should pop up. You'll see a nice little orange icon there. You download the app, and you can start seeing what's near you. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to put this with a caveat as we're still very early in, in bringing people who are selling food onto the app. So if you want to sell food... Uh, please get your food on the app as soon as possible. If you're looking to buy food, there is some food there. We're still working on this recruiting process, bringing the local farmers in, bringing the local cooks in. Uh, and it's completely free. It doesn't cost anything to use for the farmers. doesn't cost anything to use for the consumers. Uh, we want to make it, again, just as streamlined and easy as possible for people to get on. Great stuff. Really good stuff, Tyler. Whew, thanks so much for being here, folks. Check the show notes tonight. You can check out the local chow. Stick around, hang out. We want to hear about the great pumpkin contest. Absolutely. And here's some more from <laughs> Sammy Brew. All right, we're ready here. Going back over to our our resident artist tonight, Sammy Brew. Hey, Sammy, why don't you introduce the band and uh, let us know who you're playing with because we're going to get another song here. I know Sammy's got a couple of gigs coming up, and uh, we're going to talk about those as well. Sammy, we got you over there. Hi, Sammy. I think we got you. Yo, yo. <laughs> hey. So uh, introduce the band, would you? Uh, so this drummer, his name is Aaron Hendricks, uh, lives in Bountiful. And then this is Mason Hill on bass. Uh, these two produce all my newest tracks, and we record in Aaron's basement. And it's really like a little tight bond we got going on. These Very are my guys. Cool. Very cool, Sammy. So you're on your own man you're doing your own thing diy tell tell me a little bit about how that came about diy uh, like man a lot a lot of the industry industry stuff gets gets a little hectic Mm -hmm. and uh you know now i'm just really focusing on building a really cool fan base in utah and throwing awesome concerts and getting to know people and uh, making people feel something good very cool where are you playing next we are playing uh, Harvest Moon tomorrow, Harvest Moon Festival down on 25th Street, um, and then Lighthouse Lounge on 25th Street as well, my first 21-plus uh, um, 
headlining show. Congratulations. That's October 1st, both in <laughs> Ogden. Do the Th honors, Al. This one is called Complicated, and this is Sammy Brew right here, fresh and homegrown at KRCL 90.9 FM. The City Library and the Great Salt Lake Collaborative present The History of the Great Salt Lake, a conversation about the cultural history of the lake, Wednesday, September 28th, 6 to 7 p.m. at the Marmalade Branch, 280 West, 500 North in Salt Lake City. For more details, visit greatsaltlakenews.org. KRCL, your community connection since 1979. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown. And next week, Al, I'm going to do Meet the DJ with Circus because he's coming up on his 20th anniversary here oh, at KRCL. Wow. Can you believe that? So That's amazing. Thursday night here on Radioactive, he's going to spend most of the hour. We're going to spin some tunes over the 20 years from his career as a volunteer host here. He's been on the board as a 
volunteer rep to the board. He's done so many things, and he's going to divulge his secrets to Growing Tomatoes. I'm, I'm going to make him make him do that. All right, uh, 10.30, Friday Night Fallout. Then you get your liquid rhythms with Ken. Saturday Breakfast Jam at 7. Saturday Sagebrush Serenade with John Florence. But what I wanted to get to last here is that Afternoon Delight is broadcasting live from 1 to 4 tomorrow. Courtney Blair and the KRCL record sale team is going to be over at the 9th and 9th Street Festival. That starts at 10 a.m., goes till 6. But be sure to stop by 1 to 4 if you'd like to say hi to Courtney. And if you missed out on our record sale last week, there is new stuff, brand new stuff that's going into the sale tomorrow, 10 a.m. at the 9th and 9th Street Fest. Aldine, KRCL's punk rock farmer. So every year around this time, uh, you know, it's Halloween and pumpkins are big. And we have two of our favorites here, Clint, our buddy who grows pumpkins, that kind of introduced us to this whole thing. We had him on the show through John Reese quite a, a couple of years back. And Jim Siemens is with us. And Jim is the president of the Utah Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. Tell me a little bit about the what that means, Jim, the Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. <laughs> um, so there's actually a bigger group worldwide called right. the GPC. Um, was it the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth? Commonwealth Did I get yeah. that right? Um, so we're part of that. And each state or each region has these little groups of you know guys that get together and they started growing pumpkins together and then they kind of all merge together. And the Utah Giant Pumpkin Growers, that's a lot of guys just got into it, wanted to grow a giant pumpkin and thought, you know, that looks fun. And so they get into it and then they get addicted and they start competing against <laughs> each other. And in your numbers, we send them into GPC and they rank us worldwide amongst all the growers. So there's roughly 2,000 pumpkins that hit the scales every year worldwide. And you can try your hand at it to not only see where you place, you know, in Utah, but, you know, amongst all the growers in the world. We'll get at some of those strategies and tips on how to grow the big one. But, Jim, you got addicted yourself. Used to be a dairy <laughs> farmer, and now you're head of the giant pumpkin growers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got into it just wanting a giant pumpkin, and I grew like a 200-pounder and thought it was cool. And then I found out about the genetics and seeds, and I, I grew one that was uh, like 600 pounds. And the same year, I mean, this is out of my comfort zone. I found out about the Utah Giant Pumpkin Growers, and I ended up going to my first way off down at Thanksgiving Point, and I placed like 15th, and you know, everybody's just, you show up a giant pumpkin, it doesn't matter whether it's 600 pounds or 1,000 pounds, and everybody was just like your new best friend, <laughs> and there's so many people there, and they're so excited just to even see you. It's really infectious. It, the community, I went two years ago, and then I went last year, and was the record like 2,135 pounds or something like that last 20, year? 2,145. 45. Oh, my goodness. Clint, you jumped for joy and did a little dance and <laughs> rolled around on the ground because you got third place last year. Yeah, that was what, pretty exciting. What was your pumpkin? <laughs> How big was it? Uh, twelve hundred and fifty-eight pounds last year, and that and that was third. Yeah, that's a big pumpkin, my yeah. brother. Yeah. Big pumpkin. This year you're doing a different, little different. You're growing a green one, a greeny. Yeah. What's the difference? So I decided, yeah, to try to go green this year. Um, they're pretty similar. Biggest difference, obviously, is color. This one is never going to turn orange. It just so it looks similar, has similar genetics and everything, but it never turns orange. It just stays green. So it's just a little, you know. Something a little bit different. Not as many people grow them, so, you know, I just 
decided to try something different this year. But. <laughs> <laughs> so the the story we I don't think we got to the story about how you got to from being a dairy farmer to a pumpkin grower. Well, I, I so I started growing uh, pumpkins, and I you know one year I thought you know I want the biggest, <laughs> and you know you can't do it just growing one every year. So I grew like fourteen, and they were like four hundred pounds to a thousand pounds, and. I got a call one day from a carver down here, Adam Smith. I don't know if you've heard of Adam. Uh, he carves a lot down in Salt Lake. He says, hey, I want to buy a pumpkin. I'm like, well, I kind of grew these for me. They're on my front lawn. And he's, no, I'll buy one. And he come and got one. Then he called me back and says, hey, I need another. And I'm like, well, okay, it, it's kind of not a bad cash crop, so why not? And I'm, I'm dairy farming. I mean, most dairy farmers are always losing money, so why not try something else? And it's fun. And the next year I went all out and I grew two acres of little pumpkins and big pumpkins. And I had 600 pounders, 400 pounders, 300 pounders. And Adam, I, Adam and I started doing company parties and getting them around town. And I'd sell the pumpkin. Company would buy it for their fall activity. Uh-huh. They'd hire him to come in and carve it. And that'd be their centerpiece. And I started making money at it. And I'm like... Okay, why am I dairy farming? I'm tired. <laughs> now you have a new quirk, uh, yeah. though, and you have these molds, and you the pumpkin grows inside the mold, and this is really cool. We have Frankenstein here. Um, kind of fits in the palm of your hand just about. Yeah, so these these are actually a new one for 2022. I, I, I started getting in with events, some high-end events that will pay for the big ones, and they're like, what else you got? <laughs> See, so to think about that for a minute. Yeah, so then you start researching, you find gourds and stuff like that. And they're uh-huh. like, they're really cool, but what else you got? And you got to keep up in your game every year. And mm-hmm. I read an article on these molds. Um, they come from a little company out of China. Guy does a really good job on them. A uh, farmer in California got into them and started growing them. And I, so I went out and I bought like 50 of them. Thought, well, I'm going to try it. I got a few heads. Uh, started kind of figuring it out, started kind of testing the markets, trying to sell them. Um, then we bought a few more molds, and things just kind of took off, and all of a sudden I'm getting calls from all over the U.S. wanting Frankenstein. How many of these did you grow this year? <laughs> um, so we've had a rough year. I've, I, I, we now own 1,200 molds. Whoa. Um, I've, some I've just got faces 1200 on. 1,200 tiny Frankenstein <laughs> pumpkin heads. That sounds like a nightmare, so actually. <laughs> they're actually this size. It's about the size of your cell phone. Uh-huh. I've got some Frankenstein that are about uh-huh. nine inches tall. Okay. I've, we've got a vampire that's new this year. I'm the only one in the world with the vampire and this Ooh. small Frankenstein. I want to see the vampire um, one. So we're putting them on faces, um, faces on the pumpkin. Some of them we're doing a full mold like this. Um, but we, we just... It just kind of took off. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you know, you talked about how being a dairy farmer was physically exhausting, hey, right? There's always something to do. But pumpkins, are they much easier? Well, I start in April, and it slowly builds. And mm. about the end of July, I start putting molds on pumpkins. So that takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. And it just really kind of just your time starts going. How do they not go bad while they're they going do. into that mold? Okay. We With just the full mold, we have about 30% success rate. Wow. So it's it's frustrating, uh-huh. um, especially this heat wave we had. They were really hard on them because the heat hits the mold and turns them into ovens. They start mm. rotting or cooking. Um, but I found people out there that'll pay me for them. Wow. Well, and, and then I'm also curious, Al, um, how much water goes into growing pumpkins, whether it's these specialty ones in these tiny molds or the, 
So pumpkins, multi, multi-hundred yeah, pound pu- Pumpkins have a shallow root system, uh-huh. so they don't require a lot of water all at once. They mm-hmm. just require more waterings consistently. Yeah. So like alfalfa, that I, I grow alfalfa as well, but you know you can water that and a week later water it again. Pumpkins, when they get producing fruit, you almost need to water them every day for a few hours. Mm-hmm. So they can be water intensive. Then is that what makes them grow? Is the water, or is there something else going on? You said genetics uh, of the seeds. Genetics earlier. play a factor in it. Uh, fertilizing program, like yeah. our big ones, even these molded ones, I found that we are fertilizing every time we water. Yeah, Clint Nash, how about you? What's your secrets? Do tell. Yes, share. yes, because I mean, let's get back it. to the big one now. <laughs> let's get back to talking about because there's a science that goes along with this, mm. and you guys are pretty free with the information, and it's a society where people are kind of passing out the info. But uh, Atlantic Giant, I know that's one of the big ones, but there's a seed history on these, and there's like. Um, a name and of the person and the number and if you get that seed the number tell me about the number what the number has to do with it and how it that sounds like how puppy that papers yeah. yeah a lot goes into it i mean yeah we definitely keep track of the genetics and everything um and we you know we keep track there's a scale uh that you can judge you know the weight off of so during the year you can kind of estimate what weight it's going to be by measuring you know the circumference and over the top of the pumpkin and everything so and then also at the end of the, you know, when the, um, when you weigh it, you kind of see how did that compare to what it was supposed to weigh according to its size. Uh-huh. You know, people also, if, if yours goes heavy, a lot of people want to try that seed down the road. Right. Because at mm-hmm. that same size, it might weigh 10% heavier than a pumpkin of the same size and everything. So, so, so like. The, there's kind of a gold mine about it too. The guy who wins the biggest pumpkin weighs 2,145 pounds. That seed is gold, right? And there's probably sometimes thousand yeah. seeds inside. You've got to prove it. <laughs> okay. Okay. The other, the other interesting thing is sometimes it's the no Sometimes it's the seed that grew that one ah. that everybody yeah. else wants. But sometimes after they that. go after the mom. Because then they say, the dad. Yeah, like there's there's a seed that grew it's, last year's world record. Everybody wanted that seed, and it's been pretty successful. That same seed uh-huh. has a history mm. where, you know, people are going to try. You know, people have tried the world record. We'll see how it goes this year. But I think in that one, don't you think, like, the parent, the mom one? The the, the mom and the grandmas sought after. Some are, of the moms yeah. and the grandmas. So it's a matriarchal yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you could take a seed out of, like, say, Ross's that grew the 2145 last year yeah. and probably get 30 to $50 for one seed. That's not wow. bad. Now, if you start growing those and find that those seeds are constantly throwing heavy pumpkins, mm. people are going to start paying more. Yeah. And if For they start throwing new records. There's a whole economy here. You're, you're now $300, $400 for a seed you're or more. That's, that's, that's crazy talk. A, a seed that doesn't <laughs> even have any guarantee that it will germinate. I mean, most do, but it's not a, you know. Yeah, yeah. there's there's no guarantee. <laughs> there is no guarantee, right? So, okay. so I've been to your house, in a, Clint, and I've seen the operation. It's one plant that's really large, but it only has one pumpkin on it. Yeah. You don't want any energy going anywhere else. You want it all going to one, correct? Yeah. And, and and the vine is pretty long. was pretty long. You had it all under a tent so that you could control 
pests. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is pretty f- kind of fanatical, maybe a little <laughs> bit. Obsessive. <laughs> and, I mean, just the, I mean, it's, pumpkins are just fun. I mean, but, you know, like Jim has an entire farm, you know, that he's turned into his, and it's, and then also someone like me that just has a backyard, you know, a decent mm. sized backyard can also, you know, it, it is, you know. Like for me, it can be kind of stressful because I have one shot. That's it. <laughs> you got a baby. That this year's this year's been, you know. How's the rest a of the family? Than last year, <laughs> I know this year's been a little tougher than last year. So that was my one chance, you know. And it's not going to be as big, but it's you know it's just fun. It, but it's, I, I mean, it just it's just it's you know a little bit like a big science experiment too, yeah. where you know some people that grow these don't grow gardens otherwise much. Right. It's mostly all your energy goes to this one pumpkin. Me and Jim both have grown stuff. You know, like I've had a garden for years and years, and you know he's had farm and everything. But there are pumpkin growers that that don't grow anything but that pumpkin, and it's it's more like a science thing to them than a garden thing. You know what I mean? It's and they might only grow for like they'll grow a year and take a couple years off, and then they come Mm. back and. Is there a super concoction that, or, or, you know, is there juicing, so to speak, in the pumpkin business, pu- giant pumpkin business? You know, uh, milk. I heard milk might grow bigger pumpkins. So that that's a old wife's tale. I, uh, I think I read it in Little House on the Prairie or something <laughs> like that. We, like, we get new growers first thing they come in and they're like, we're going to use milk <laughs> to get the calcium out of it. And I'm like, okay, milk really doesn't contain that much calcium compared to other fertilizers. Yeah. And it still, it has to be broke down. Yeah. It has to be rotting before it's any good for a pumpkin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so uh, let's let's shift to the event because what let's talk about what folks can expect at the event. And you guys, it's it's um, it's a community of folks. It's an all day event. There's a big, huge line of giant pumpkins there. Tell tell a little bit about it, Jim. And let's reset, too. We've got Jim Siemens and Clint Nash with us from the Utah Giant Pumpkin Growers. Next Saturday, the 24th is? Yep, uh, Giant Pumpkin Way Off at Hee Farms down in Pleasant Grove. Um, so we were planning on one of our toughest way offs, meaning that there's probably not going to be as many pumpkins there. Is it because of the heat? The heat's been a factor this year. We had a cold, wet spring, so mm-hmm. the ground moisture didn't warm up almost anywhere in the state um then we got a late frost that hurt a lot of people we just weren't expecting it i mean you know usually you're into may first of june this was the end of june and then it turned off hot and dry and and the squash bugs come out like ah. crazy this year and it, it just hurt a lot of growers and some of them just got there and their plants went down so they pull them they're done uh-huh. well now we are a week from the way off <laughs> And we're planning on, you know, there's not very many pumpkins out there. Let's just get through it, be done with it, and then do a do-over. Well, Idaho, I've got four growers up there. They're telling me they're coming down, uh, three of them with new personal bests. All of them expected to go over 1,000 pounds. They did fine. Yeah, and I'm getting emails from guys. I didn't even know they were growing. We got five, 600-pound pumpkins were coming to the way off. We got some that are 200 pounds, and they're ecstatic because it's the biggest thing they've ever grown. Uh Uh-huh. And then we've got one grower that has struggled last year, couldn't grow a pumpkin. And as I'm hearing it right now, he's got two pumpkins, and the one's nearing 2,000 pounds. The other one's already cleared it, and it's still gaining 25 pounds a day. So it's close to the record. We're we're shooting at the record in a bad year even. We could very well have a new state record. And I'm not sure if he's going to bring one of them to our way off. And then he's going to take the other into another way off. We don't know. Mm. But even if 
he takes the bigger one out of state, that would be a new state record if it beat beat the twenty one forty five. So <sighs> is it a regional thing? You're you're pulling a little bit from Idaho. It is Idaho doesn't have a an organization, uh-huh. so we include them. Um, we do get Montana growers. Um, you you know Wyoming. the community yeah, is so we get some Wyoming. It, I mean, you guys are uh, enthusiastic about anyone and everyone who's growing is what it's is what I get from it. Yeah, I mean, I I I've got Facebook friends, Instagram followers from all over the world. Um, I got pictures the other day. Uh, I might not should say this on the air, but I sent pitch, uh, pumpkin seeds to Georgia, the country. The country. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You can't ship them to Russia. But he could walk across the border to his cousin's house and pick him up, <laughs> take him back into Russia. <laughs> and he's got four pumpkins that are estimated in that 800 to 1,000 pounds, and he is just ecstatic. I bet. Yeah. I bet. You can build, this is diplomatic relations, country yeah. to country, yeah. right, with some giant pumpkins. So, again, the 18th annual Utah Giant Pumpkin Growers Pumpkin Championship starts at 9 a.m. at Hehaw Farms on Saturday, September 24th. Do you got to pre-register, pre-qualify? Can you show up? with your pumpkin um so you have to be a utah giant pumpkin grower member okay. um you can get on our website it's 35 dollars, and that or it's 30 dollars. excuse me that acts as your entry fee okay um you can show up at the event and pay it there too okay we will be sending out an email and posting on our website um you can register online your pumpkin Mm-hmm. Um, all your details, you put you know, your name, your address, all that, so that um, they can collect the data. There's also judging that goes on before the way off. So you got, you know, get there, get, yeah. get registered, check in at 9, judging starts at 11, way off starts at noon, and is there like a real, like, fine time? You want to be there for prime time at all? Um, so if you do have a pumpkin, you need to be there early, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's that 8 to 10 ballpark. Yeah and get it there before they start judging. The members, there's like three of them that go around and they judge them. They tape each one, uh, get the estimate of what they think it is, so that when we hit the scale, we can tell whether we went heavy or light. Um, And then they look for cracks. Uh, If there's any crack or any soft spots, if it goes into the cavity, you're disqualified. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of tears. And that's on the (laughs) website, which is where, Clint? What's the Uh, website? UtahGiantPumpkins.com, right? UtahGiantPumpkinGrowers.com. Growers.com, okay. We'll put it in the show notes, too. And then just one thing, too. Pumpkins is definitely the star of the show there and everything. But but there's other big vegetables there. So I'm going to be manning the table with the other oddities, large oddities and stuff. Last year, we had the world record butternut squash weighed, right? I saw it. I have pictures of it. Which so how much? It was like things. seventy pounds, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like so <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you know, if anybody has like a really wide sunflower head or a really tall sunflower or you know marrows, if you know what those uh-huh. are, really related to zucchini uh-huh. or uh-huh. you know things like that. Also, you know, gourds, come watermelons. See those gourds. There was tomatoes. Yeah, long Dale gourds. Thurber, my buddy, was yeah, there. Yeah. Dale was Dale there. Dale always brings a lot of tomatoes. Yep. You know, four. I think we had a four-pound tomato over four pounds There's last year. And word on the wire, we might have a state new state record cantaloupe. Yeah. Ooh. Very um, cool. Yeah, which they just weighed one, which set a new state record, and they were so excited they ate it. <laughs> Fifty-one pound cantaloupe, and it was tasty. That was one of my other questions, yeah. Al. Is after these giant weigh-offs and everything, then what happens to them? Because you you spend all these months babying it, getting it there, rigging it to get it there, and then what? Do farmers collect the, the pieces and feed them to the cows? Um, What's the deal? 
some of them do. There is a regatta coming up on October 8th down at Daybreak. Um, if they can get the pumpkins are in short supply, so if they can get enough pumpkins, they're going to have their regatta. Um, so they'll cut them open, dress up, and then compete, float across, across the lake inside the pumpkin. <laughs> um, I want you to do this next year. Um, and, yeah, sorry. So, there's a know, pumpkin drop, too, coming up yes, in October. Yes, the pumpkin drops the 29th, so we'll take uh, whatever's holding together, whatever we can, and we <laughs> take it down at Hee Farms, and we drop them from a 175-foot crane. And splat. Yeah. And yeah. then what? There's all that stuff splatted. Then what do you do with it? Uh, we you walk use away it? and let Kyle and Shalise <laughs> clean it up. Somebody with a They got a couple yeah. of steers. <laughs> they'll fence it off. They let the animals eat it. Well, that, yeah. go ahead, Clint. I just said that's what's fun about pumpkins too. Is that like when they get that big, there's just so many things you can do with it. You know, so many things you can do with them and stuff. And I mean, like this year, you know, my goal, I, did, I definitely didn't hit my goals that I was, you know, hoping for and everything. But I still have a pretty decent, and it's still big enough to be a boat. I can still <laughs> go out, sit in it, and float down, either float at the regatta or down a river or something. And so there's so many options with these. I love that, you, you know, guys. It's you just, guys, it's just you. a fun. Yeah, there's a lot of fun things to do with them. So. Awesome. I well, uh, we got a few more minutes before Sammy Brew plays us out. And I'm just giving Sammy a verbal heads up. We might have time for two songs, just to let you know. But uh, for folks that are listening and thinking, this could be a fun family project, or I'm just obsessive enough that I want to try this next year, what are the considerations to get your ground ready or the spot? Is it shady? Is it hot? Do you need a hoop house? What's um, the best advice? You kind of got to look at your own location, because mm -hmm. what I can tell you what I do is different than what Clint does. Because um, I'm in Cache Valley, uh, we have a later spring, but and you, you got know, a shorter growing season all around. Yeah. So you need to look at that. Uh, the big thing is getting your ground ready now. Oh, really? So, so maybe a cover crop. Uh, cover crop, uh, cow manure, compost ah. is good to mix it and get it breaking down. Um, plant a cover crop and then wait till next spring and then till it all in, and uh, that's when you can start doing. Soil heating cables, hoop houses to get oh through the gosh, frost. Soil um, heating cables. This is a nonstop because you know the sun comes out, and yeah. I know guys that are running home to open hoop houses because they turn into ovens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got fans going. Yeah. Uh, soil, soil tests. And you're doing the chemical analysis. How about you, Clint? Yeah, I mean, and really anybody can just like both of us kind of we just kind of fell into it just because it looked fun to try to grow a giant yeah. pumpkin and. Your first year, you're not going to know how to do all that. And, you, you know, you the soil cables and doing the soil test and doing it. Like, you may not figure, you know, but just one year, you'll learn some stuff. And then, you know, every, it's usually in March or so, we have a little class yeah, for beginners. Spring oh, seminar. Uh, our spring seminar. Will um, you guys be sure to keep us on your list to yeah. let us know about yeah. that? We'd love yeah, to give Yeah, because that's a fun we, thing for beginners to just for learn, sure. learn some of the basics. Yeah. And then... They can stick around and we always have a more advanced class after that if mm -hmm. they've done it a little more think they want to learn you know they can learn even more specifics on yeah. all this craziness that gets it's where so we're trying cool. to max out every so cool. <laughs> i think we should get pumpkin you know yeah there's get a bunch of folks you know because they're, they're talking about you don't want to have your lawn anymore right because of the drought let's just plant pumpkin patches right. what do you think these plants would be a great ground cover i mean we try to keep them under a certain size but i mean mm -hmm. You know, if you let these and if you let these go, uh, go and feed them, you could cover a really big area. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted a big ground cover, these would be perfect for that. <laughs> that might be what I do. Okay, so Aldine, three events. Next Saturday, the 24th, it's the big uh, pumpkin championship way off. 
at Hee Haw Farms on the 8th at Daybreak. It's the ginormous pumpkin regatta. And on the 29th, it's the uh, 14th annual ginormous pumpkin drop, drop. at Hee Haw Farms. And we'll put all of that in the yes. show notes. And there's one more. Oh, there's one more? I missed. What is it? Thanksgiving morning. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, if there's any pumpkins left, a lot of the growers will donate them to uh, Hogle Zoo. Oh, that's right. And they have their Feast with the Beast, and they'll actually put the giant pumpkins out with the uh, elephants, and they open the doors, let the elephants come out and stomp when they need them. Um, actually, all the animals at the zoo will get some type of pumpkin, pumpkin that day. Nice. Yeah. That is so cool. That's I want to go see that. That's yeah. my new Thanksgiving uh, ritual, I think, is Feast with the Beast. So one more time, what's the website, Clint? UtahGiantPumpkinGrowers.com. Excellent. And where can folks check out uh, Cache Valley Giant Pumpkins and these cool little mini Frankenstein uh, head pumpkins? So if you want to Google Cache Valley Giant Pumpkins okay. or my name, Jim Siemens, you'll have me bombarded with so much pumpkin you won't know what to do. <laughs> S-E-A-M-O-N-S. Yeah, we, we do have a website coming out, but, you know, I've yeah. got a TikTok. We've got Instagram. You got a TikTok? You got yeah. pumpkin tips on your TikTok? We do. We've got. How many views did he get on that one? Oh, like 27 million. Oh, so yeah. he's had a couple. Yeah. You got went no. viral cool with stuff, your so crazy yeah. pumpkins. Yeah. For, for these little I'm Frankenstein ads? Yeah. I'm a seasonal. It's a seasonal account. People start hitting it. They're starting to hit it again. Now they're thinking pumpkin. And, and it's your TikTok. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll put a link for that in the show notes tonight, too, Al. Some we, folks that never thought they'd get on TikTok will. Yeah, now. right. <laughs> we, we do videos, you know, how to, how to do the molds, kind of our success, failure. We yeah. also do the giants. Uh, we kind of go through our growing you know how we start and what we do and i take you through the year and you know we show you our success and failures well awesome so Great good stuff. to see you that's our once a year check-in i'm gonna encourage gonna folks go? to go to this way off because it is really infectious the community <laughs> and the enthusiasm there and you will be a giant pumpkin lover for sure you just yeah. need to go take your kids mm -hmm. go down yeah, bring I'm, your camera i'm pretty sure yeah. that last year was the year you recorded a bunch of interviews with folks so you I might did. have to do that again yeah, i did bring it back for the show sound good sounds good in the meantime what's on the show next week so eat local week is coming and we have some folks from the udaf that are going to come we're going to do a little panel we're going to talk about eating local food you know me, it tastes the best, and yeah. that's what I'll <laughs> say. And then I'm, there's so many other reasons, and we'll find it out. We'll find and music, out. did we decide who, who the band is? We haven't quite decided okay. yet. Al and I are going to figure that out yes. before we leave tonight. But uh, if folks are interested in playing the show or coming on the show, how do uh, they get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at um, uh, Punk Rock Farmer on, on Instagram with underscores between the, the – the words and then uh, you can find me at uh, punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com or on Facebook. Excellent. Well, thanks to everybody, especially Sullivan, Pechenpang, and Connor Estes doing our audio with Sammy Brew tonight. Thank you, Sully and Connor and Sammy. What are we? We got like 10 minutes, so if you want to play like a little mini concert, you can. But let's remind folks that you're playing the Ogden Harvest Moon Festival tomorrow night. What time up there on 25th Street? Uh, we start playing at 645. 645. You're going to play like, a, like an hour hour and 15 to hour and a half that's fantastic and Very then good. you're turning 21 so you can go play lighthouse lounge october 1st <laughs> and that's also up there in ogden we'll put those in the show notes so you're trying to get the album going when can we expect a full album do you think it might be it might be a, a year or two for a full album we're planning on just releasing singles for the uh -huh. next 12 months 
like hopefully every month, sometimes every other month, but we're just trying to flood you guys with music. That sounds like a great plan. I think that's a cool idea. I love that idea. Yes, yeah, 2022, Very people's attention spans are short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep it coming with the new stuff. It's really punk rock, dude. Yeah. yeah. So, Good stuff. So where can people catch up with you and see what you're doing? You said you're trying to really build uh, your fan base here in Utah. So what can folks look forward to? Uh all sorts of social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all the fixins, um, <laughs> and then SammyBrew.com. I got a lot of show dates that will be upcoming, and ticket links will be up there soon. Uh, yeah. Okay. And well, Spotify. Then and we got music, uh, we got like eight minutes till Democracy Now. So I know I said uh, you know there was like one last song, but. You can just jam if you want until seven, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but you got a brand new song that you're gonna debut right here. Yeah, hopefully it comes out next month. But you know, I love giving KRCL the new stuff. We love it too. Thanks Call so bad m- guy. Thanks so much, Sammy. This one is bad guy, and it's Sammy Brew right here, fresh and homegrown. KRCL ninety point nine FM.
Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. KRCL's record and CD sale is hitting the road. Saturday, the 17th, we'll be setting up shop at the 9th and 9th Street Festival from 10 to 6 p.m. with a live broadcast of Afternoon Delight. Then, Saturday, the 24th, we'll be at the Downtown Farmer's Market from 8 to 2 p.m. in Pioneer Park across from Caputo's on 3rd South. Fresh vinyl will be added to the racks for each sale. Look for KRCL's big green tent to make all your vinyl dreams come true. KRCL.org for all the details. KRCL, Salt Lake City. 
It might take a while for that rusted out Geo Metro in your garage to become vintage, so why not donate it in the meantime? KRCL's vehicle donation partner, Cars Inc., will tow your car, truck, motorcycle, or boat, give you a tax receipt, and cut a check to KRCL. That means your college Subi can fuel Sagebrush Serenade and your 1980 station wagon can power women who rock. For details on donating your vehicle to KRCL, drop by the support tab at krcl.org.